We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality. The baseball season is go, go, go. It's nonstop, relentless for every night, six straight months, and then hopefully another month in October. You also have work, friends, family, and a million other things going on. That's when you reach for a Coors Light. It's made to chill. There's only one beer out there that's literally made to chill, and that's Coors Light. I mean, the mountains on the bottles and cans even turn blue when your beer is cold. Is there anything better than opening up your refrigerator after a long day, seeing that icy cold Coors Light can or bottle in your fridge? The answer is no, there's nothing better. That's why when it's time to chill, you choose Coors Light. It's mountain cold refreshment made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So that's why when you want to hit reset, reach for a beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. And as always, celebrate. We are breaking down all aspects of Yankee baseball. This is the Bronx Pinstripe Show with your host, Andrew Rotondi and Scott Reinen. Let's go. What's up, guys? Welcome to the Bronx Pinstripe Show, episode 514. Today, we have pitchers and catchers, baby, grown-ass men throwing baseballs back and forth together in their unis, in shorts, probably in shorts. But first and foremost, we got a new kid in the world. Andrew, we had a baby, didn't we? we yeah, we did. We did, did, we just, did we just get another co-host? <laughs> did, after, did we get our future co-host I- now? 
You know, I was th- I was joking with Leanne. I was like, how soon can I just hand the podcast off to him? Because <laughs> the Kemp and Harrison because show. At this, at this point. But uh, yeah, if, after I saw what Leanne went through uh, during in the hospital, just to say we had a baby, it seems kind Leanne of dirty. Had a, Leanne had a baby. Leanne had I a was baby there. You, I, I, I did out. my part. I tried to be supportive. But uh, I got some stories there. But yeah, if you're if you guys are wondering why Scott's uh, doing the intro and I'm just sitting here as co-pilot, it's because my brain is not working fully right now. And uh, my my son Harrison was born last Thursday evening, so it's uh, almost a week ago. And th- these last six days, I, I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> what, what I don't know what up up is down. Down is up, you know, bizarro world shit is going on because I am on a two and a half to three hour life cycle. Basically the cycle of Harrison who eats, sleeps and shits every three hours. So you got to, you got to kind of do that. But it's been, it's been amazing. Um, And a few people have reached out saying congratulations. I I definitely appreciate that. Um, But yeah, I guess I, I, the Yankees have done some stuff. I didn't really, I wasn't able to follow. It's kind of weird when. It's been like the busiest week of your life, but only focused on one thing. It's, it's a very, it's kind of a bizarre. Yeah, everything thing. else gets shut out. You have blinders on because you're in three hour cycles, like you were saying. You have to, yeah. you have to, uh, you have to basically attend um, all of your attention to to one thing. You, you got to first of all make sure that like this is new. You got to make sure that the the uh, the kid is fed, the kid is cleaned, the kid is you know not crying all the time. So there's a lot of lot of lot of responsibilities now. How was the yeah, ride? How was the ride home? The ride home was fine. He slept. He, so he's been in the car twice, and he's just immediately passed out. Um, I was driving like 15 miles an hour because I was scared shitless. But otherwise, uh, he was calm. Lands in the back seat with him. But yeah, there's just so much information. And uh, if anyone has had a baby recently, I guess since COVID, like the nurseries and the hospitals are closed unless it's like a situation where the mother is in in serious condition and cannot care for him mm-hmm. or or the baby is in serious condition and needs to go to the nursery. So he was with us every night in the hospital, which which is great, but he was born at like five o'clock on Thursday and we get to our, our hospital room at like 9, 30, 10 o'clock and they're just like, here you go. Here's a baby. I know you haven't eaten in 24 hours. I know you haven't slept in 24 hours have fun. And we're just like, Leanne's bedridden because she had to have uh, a C-section. I don't want to call it emergency (laughs) C-section, but it it felt like an emergency to me because as she's pushing, the doctors decide, rightfully so, um, because of like slight complications, we need to have a C-section. And I'm not joking. From that moment, five minutes later, she is in the OR being cut open. So like, so in five minutes, they like unplug her from everything in the delivery room, start wheeling her off. And they're like, one of the nurses turns to me and she's like, you got to pack up all your stuff and bring it over to Let's this go. waiting Hurry, area. What are you doing? Why are you following us? Go get the stuff. Uh, I'm like, what are you kidding me? Like our bags are just thrown about because we've been in this room for the last like 18 yeah. hours. So I'm just like throwing, I'm like literally stomping on the suitcase to like fit it in there. And then, like, I'm, like, dragging stuff down the hallway to this, like, room that we're going to be in just for temporary after the baby's born. And then they push me into the uh, into the um, the OR, and she's already being cut open. 
So of you, course you're, I you're see saying that. it so so eloquently that that it's uh yeah no it's that that's a crazy crazy experience especially when you don't when you're not expecting it going in and then all of a sudden it's like oh reverse course change change of plans let's do this yeah so so that happens so so then that I talk about expectations a lot on this podcast and when your <laughs> expectations are something different in that moment it's a bit jarring that, that's a bit jarring. But so she's on on like pain medications and bedridden for the for the twelve hours post delivery. So I'm just like trying to change his diaper and and like try to figure out all this stuff, like trying to hand him over so he can eat something. So that first night is, is it's just scary because you're now responsible for this human life. And of course the nurses are there to help, but he's not in the nursery. <laughs> yeah, um, they're they're so. there for if shit goes wrong. It's like when when keeping it real goes wrong. That's when the nurses that's when the <laughs> nurses pop up. That's when you hit the yeah. hit the red button. And so I, I told you in text, I was like, oh, I have a pee story. Um, and so apparently newborns don't pee a lot when they're first born. In their first 24 hours, they're looking for like one one good pee, they said. Mm-hmm. And the recovery room nurse told us, oh, he peed a little. So like within the first hour after he was born, apparently he peed a little. But we had no proof of that. Cause she didn't like document it anywhere. So the nurses, like the next 24 hours, like he needs to pee. He needs to pee. Look out for pee. Look out for pee. And we're like, okay, well he, we were told he peed already. So at like the, not, I'm not joking. The 24 hour mark, we're changing his diaper. He had pooped. Thank you. And all of a sudden, then all of a sudden Leanne, Leanne looks over at his face and she's like, is that, are those tears on his face? And I'm like, tears, what are you talking about? He's not crying. And then I put my face over and I'm just, I'm just drilled with piss in the cheek. <laughs> and then it just starts going like a waterfall. She's co- she's like trying to cover it with it, with her hand and it's just spraying everywhere. So we were initiated into the diaper changing club with just an absolute piss shower. Nice. I love from it. Our I, was, I was hoping for, I was hoping part. for the other end, the other initiation, but I, I'm still confident that will come. You still have, there's still plenty of time for that to come too. So, do you have a thing called the PPTP? I, I, I sure don't. Apparently, that's something that uh, parents of boys need to invest in if if they're if they find themselves getting peed on a lot. What is that so like? One of those Shark Tank dad dad uh, inventions? <laughs> Prob- like, oh, I need a PPTP so I don't get pissed in the face. <laughs> Probably. <laughs> yeah, so we'll see. We'll see about that. But that's, yeah, that's, a, uh, that's three hour sleep cycles right there to get the PPTP. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I was, so uh, I do appreciate everyone who has reached out. Um, I'll, I'll tweet out a picture of them uh, maybe later today. It, but um, yeah, otherwise it's other. Everything's been good. Uh, Leanne's doing well. Um, you know, all things considered, the meds are helping, and uh, Harrison is is healthy, and, and that's the most important thing. Yeah. So it's been great. Awesome, man. Well, you know, I know it's uh, we've all been waiting to hear the update. So it's great to hear. It's funny because the everybody who's been listening to this show for a long time and there's a lot there's a lot of a lot of people who've been listening for years and years and years. They've they've pretty much gone through, you know, major life events with us. You know, obviously uh, Kemp was Kemp was born, uh, his all all of his uh, stuff. They've everybody's been along for the journey. I was already married by the time we started this, but you got married. Now you're having a kid. So it's uh it's just kind of funny how everybody's come along this entire ride with us uh through life like through the lens of the New York Yankees I guess it's uh it's pretty pretty cool. So glad to see everybody's doing well. Uh Harrison is adorable. We'll send out some pictures later but let's get into some baseball man. Let's uh this is this is the uh the healthy distraction that we that we rely on now and and now that you're a dad too um you're going to be looking forward to this for for like a different moment like 
what is that other moment? Oh, it's baseball. Okay. And today, pitchers and catchers, baby. So a lot of things happened this past week while you were in the hospital, while you were in your days. A lot of minor league signings, minor, uh, you know, not huge, huge deals, obviously, for the Yankees, but filled a lot of holes. A lot of things that we were talking about. Could have about. some good impact. Could have some major impacts. We, we, we said last couple episodes, like, is this it? Is this the roster that they're going to go in with? And we mentioned sort of that list of unsigned players and quality names on there that could help. Yep. Like you, you think about you think about championship teams, and they have these these quality maybe veteran players that do something over the course of the season, over the course of the playoffs that make a positive impact. Like you can find it on every championship roster. I, I go back to that 2017 team where where you look at the construction and the makeup of that team, and yes, we thought it was early at that point, but they really had that. They had even more so then than, than now, but they had a a very healthy mix of veterans who, you know, either hadn't won or some that had and were hungry. Uh, and then also your, your young guys and that blend, when you find that right blend, it becomes, it's just a very positive thing to have in the clubhouse and for leadership reasons, you know, in the, uh, in the dugout. And as you get into the, the postseason, so Jay Bruce. Jay Bruce is a guy that we mentioned. Uh, one of uh, was one of the outfielders is still available. Um, looking at the the signing, it was a minor league signing, one point three million guaranteed. He's got bonuses starting, I think, after four hundred plate appearances, fifty thousand uh, dollar bonuses. It just tears up from four hundred, four uh, four fifty, and five hundred. I don't expect him to get to four fifty or five hundred. Uh, probably not even four hundred. I mean, but what what happens if Judge goes down? If again? if there's you know, an injury, like- then then yes, that's a that's a guy that will go in there. If we're talking about the perfect world situation, and I mean, I don't even know if he's getting the fourth outfield spot. He's probably fifth outfield at this point. Maybe depends. Who knows how he plays? He may not even make the major league roster. There's a lot of things still up in the air with Jay Bruce. Uh, he's got to show it. He didn't have a great uh, year last year, but when you look at really his... Really not great since 2000. He hasn't been good for, looking, for a while. But when you yeah, look at I'm his looking splits, at his numbers. His splits are, to me, the the reason why um, I'm looking at him and not looking at his his history as uh, a major league player. He's 33 years old, feels a hell of a lot older than 33. I definitely thought he was older than 33. It seems like Jay Bruce has been around for a long time. 08 was his first year. Yeah, so, but 631 slugging, 941 OPS against right-handed pitching in 2020. That's really the big thing I'm looking at. I'm looking at what have you done against right-handed pitching? What have you done? Uh, uh, you know, have you done damage? Are you able to, to be slotted in on, on days where we're going up against tough right-handed pitching? And, you know, be a tough out from the left side. That is a, a necessity. It's a team need in the lineup, some balance against the the tough right-handed pitching. So if he can be that guy, you know, and he can do that with minimal at-bats, then I see very good value here. We'll, we'll see, though. He's got to be able to do it without playing time all the time, consistent playing time. And that's just a, not something he's he's really done. Yeah, at this point, though, that might just be all he gets on any team. So he he just has to, it's like the at these sorts of points for for guys like Jay Bruce, um, their careers can go one or two ways. You can you can try this role and you fail and then your career is over, or you find or you find yourself thriving in this role and then you hang on for like another eight years and you bounce around from team to team because in 250 plate appearances, you can give solid numbers and you can be a nice guy in the clubhouse. Yeah, and that's it. You're right. There there is a there is a point in, in uh, I'd say especially the power hitters in the power hitters career where they find that opportunity to, you know, to be a glorified DH, uh, but not even a full-time DH most of the time, just there, there's an opportunity for them to step in 
uh, when needed and and play their role. And that's what the Yankees need with Jay Bruce right now. So um, I am hoping that he can do that. We've seen guys, you know, attempt to do this part-time gig, even young guys. It's just not the same. It's not, it's not what they're used to. It's not getting the same reps. So it's definitely an adjustment. But if he could do it, there's good value here. I mean, this is what we're talking about all offseason is Cashman finding these value plays. There's so much up in the air with that. But if they can hit at least, you know, even 50 to 60 percent of them hit, there's there's some good value there. We we talked about like the outfielders that were still available. Obviously, Brett Gardner is still available, but um, there were some others on that on that list as well. In addition, in, in addition to Bruce, like you mentioned, Nick Markakis, I mentioned Sinshu Chu. Um, there was also some other outfielders that that could have fit similar roles. Are you happy with the Bruce signing over some of those other guys? I mean, to me, you're looking at them. It's like, eh, you know what? You, you toss a, a coin up in the air and you see. I, I thought Marcakis could have been a good fit. I don't know what he's asking for contract wise. Bruce fit the what they were looking to do with the. I, I keep saying in my head the salary cap, but the luxury tax cap, if you will, and he fit. Uh, the team left, needed a left-handed bat, you know, better split. So he fit the void. You know, I'd be nitpicking if I if I was saying one would be better than the other based on the value. But no, I think it's a it's a it's a good gamble. He strikes out still, at, I think, uh, over twenty percent. I think it was twenty three percent over the uh, yeah. last full season. He's like a twenty five, almost twenty five percent clip uh, guy. But you know, against against right-handed pitching, if that's down and he's able to make contact and he's able to put up good production numbers against right-handed pitching, then I will be, I will be a happy camper. That really, that's the ideal thing I was looking for from anybody. But um, while, while we're talking about him, before we get into the other guys, I want to go into a mailbag from Andrew Campbell, because I think it directly affects uh, the other left-handed bat that is, that is still a potential. He's still looming out there. He's obviously a Yankee and has been a Yankee his entire career is Brett Gardner. So I'm going to uh, read a mailbag here. Uh, hey guys, big time, long time. If the Yankees can't find a way to bring back Brett Gardner for a price that fits both sides should the Yankees consider making pitch to Gardy that would bring him back to the Bronx as a member of the coaching staff or even a, a, perhaps a <laughs> role uh, a role as a player coach. His career at bats, profile as a member, assistant coach, or special advisor to the team would allow Gardner to stay in the dugout while keeping him uh, the salary part of the team below always looming luxury tax threshold. The heart and soul of the team provides uh, would still be prominent in the clubhouse for the 2001 season. I'm not going to read the entire thing here. Look, this is this is an, this is one of those plays where people are holding on for hope, holding on for hope. And Andrew is a Brett Gardner guy. I appreciate that. I don't see the Yankees at all. When I'm talking about a player coach for the Yankees, I'm usually joking because it doesn't exist. It doesn't happen. Those don't exist anymore. Like, w- w- legitimately, who's the last player coach in Major League Baseball? Oh, Pete Rose. <laughs> we know how that worked out. <laughs> no, but it's like, I, I don't think that that role is just like something out of a different era. Yeah, no, it's it's not something that fits. It's just not. It doesn't it doesn't work for this. Brett Gardner is not the guy like that. He one He thinks he can play. And look, I don't you you think that this completely closes the book on Brett Gardner. I, well, I'm so I'm not going to say that it does yet, because I still think the fact that he's not on another team and he wants to play. There's something looming. And I don't know, you know, what that is. Uh, Jay Bruce was signed to a minor league deal. Yes, there's 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 options. Like he he wants to be on the major league roster. There's no doubt. But because of that, because that's not a definite, I still think Brett Gardner's looming. Yeah. D- so I was just gonna clarify that with you. So the the Jay Bruce signing is not 
is not definite uh, as far as like impact. Cause I just looked up the spot track numbers and uh, I'm putting them in, in here now. So they, the Yankees still have about 11 million in tax space available. Cause Jay Bruce. So if he makes the roster, it's a million, a million five, you said a million, three, a million, five. Th- a million three, five plus, plus some incentives. Um, but this is, think, again, this is, this is if he makes the major league roster. So, so here's the thing though. Uh, they, they didn't do this with Jay Bruce for no reason. They did it because they think he, he might be able to contribute to the roster. So if they do sign Brett Gardner and it's a guaranteed major league spot, that kind of takes Jay Bruce out. So why are you going to do this with Jay Bruce if you're then going to give Brett Gardner a guaranteed roster spot? Maybe you're going to sign Brett Gardner, invite him to spring training and say compete. But are they really going to even go through that whole rigmarole with Gardner? Like you do that with Jay Bruce, fine, because he's he's never been on the team before. But you bring a guy who's a career Yankee in to compete for a job, that just seems kind of weird. And that that seems more like a distraction than anything to me. No, I agree with you. And and that's that's where well, Jay Bruce also can play first base. That's a that's a potential there. You're looking at uh Mike Ford as a backup first baseman, lefty bat. So you could see Jay Bruce finding a spot on that roster, even if there's a Brett even if Brett Gardner were to, uh, to, to be signed still. And, and again, it's a very, very low risk play. If, if Bruce doesn't play well in the spring, if they don't like what they see, they don't have to do anything. They can, they can, you know, release him from this minor league deal. And a guy like Mike Ford could step right in as a backup, uh, backup first baseman. So if you're looking at it in that way and, and you see him as a potential slide from, you know, outfield spots, first base DH, and and there's really not much risk because even if Brett Gardner's there, you can still find a home for him. Um, I see that as a, as a potential play. I think the the other thing of this is not just Brett Gardner, but they're looking at this as Jay Bruce um, versus Mike Ford. I mean, that's to me after what Mike Ford did last year when he didn't back up the the season that we were you know at the end of the year in 2018 when he didn't live up to your bold prediction of he didn't live up to my the, bold, the first the scumbag for the, the scumbag for the home run bad. king of the season when that scumbag made me look bad. Then you know, I think that we were a lot of us were expecting him to to pick up, right? Maybe it wasn't to the uh, to the bull prediction that I have, but we weren't expecting him to fall off the planet like he did last year. I mean, he was bad. Well, you throwing it? Are you throwing it out though? Like you're throwing out convenient. So it depends. If he if he shows well in spring, I think that's what they want to see. They want to see if Mike Ford can step up and be that left-handed bat. He's a younger guy. You, you you'd say that thirty uh, three year old Jay Bruce or looking at Mike Ford. You know, I'd say it's a it's a toss up. So maybe really that's no, where the competition the, is. The fact that Bruce can play the outfield and play first base is a huge step over Mike Ford because that versatility, especially for this Yankees roster, is massive. Sure, with the injuries, with the injury history there. But the thing is, he's not going to be the fourth outfielder. Mike Talkman's still out there. He's going to be the he's going to be the guy that slots in. Uh, and if Gardner is signed, then it doesn't really matter as much. So then it becomes, if Gardner is signed, it becomes Jay Bruce versus Mike Ford, in my opinion. But in a situation like you mentioned, where you're going up against one of the best right-handed pitchers in, in the game, and you just want to have a, a little bit more lefty um, bat in the lineup, you could, in theory, even if Gardner's not on the team, you could, you could say, okay, we're going to put uh, Bruce in the lineup, we're going to have Mike Talkman in the lineup, and we're not going to take uh, Luke Voigt out of the lineup, who you wouldn't want to take out of the lineup if he's producing like he did last year anyway. Right. So that's where the, the you have the competition of Brett Gardner, Mike Ford, Jay Bruce. Let's see what happens here. You got a bunch of left-handed bats. Bruce has the most flexibility. Gardner has the most tenure. 
And, you know, Ford is a relative wild card if he can regain the form uh, that we saw in spurts in 2018 or 2019. So I think it's a it's good competition. Look, I, I said this the other day when I'm looking at the roster now and I look back at all of Cashman's moves and we can get into the other minor league moves in a second here, but I see a lot of competition across the roster. And this is a roster that we going into the season, we looked at it as pretty locked up, right? Like it's well, there's a lot of spots that are set. But in the rotation, there were not. In the bullpen, after you know, uh, getting rid of Adovino and and uh, Canely being released after his injury, there's competition there too. There's a lot of competition in a good amount of spots on this team. And when you're bringing in some of these guys that they're not definites, they're not locked for a spot, but they have to compete with other guys, other young guys. To me, that's a, a very, very healthy, good thing for the roster. And I'm excited to watch spring training because there's going to be battles. There's definitely going to be battles in different positions, especially in the pitching staff. So to me, that's exciting. And now you add Jay Bruce to the mix with a potential Gardner or another outfielder, you know, from from some of the invites that they've had. There's competition there. There's no doubt. One last thing on Gardner. I think he's done. And, and, and that's why I just don't see them bringing him back. Look at his StatCast rankings from last year. Literally, the only thing that he was, excelled in was walk percentage, which is still good. But exit velocity, hard hit percentage, expected weighted on base average, barrel percentage, slugging percentage, all near the bottom of the league. K percentage, middle of the road. He could still run. He's still near the top 83rd percentile in sprint speed, which is great. But his actual defense worsened. His outs above average and outfielder jump got worse, and they're actually near the bottom of the league. We need we need an so, acceleration. Is that what I feel jump is? I guess, but that's that's also reactions. I no, sprint speed. Sprint speed. No, 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 is, not just sprint speed. I need an acceleration speed. I need to know how you're getting out of the gate because that was that's always been Brett Gardner's downfall. Then that would be outfield jump. Eh, no, because there's a reaction. You're reacting to something. I'm talking well, more we know about he first can't, step, for a fast guy. For a fast step. guy, he can't steal a base. First, he which, would never steal which bases. Which is which comes down to your first step. Most it's of the a time, slow first step. You know. <laughs> Did you ever see that, um, uh, you know, Tom, the Tom Amansky videos? Yes, of course. Do you remember the one with Ricky Henderson where he I don't specifically remember the videos, but I just, I remember the, the set, you know, of, of, he was talking about stealing bases and he talked about how so many guys make the mistake. Their first step is with their right foot. Mm -hmm. And all that does is you take like a four inch step and you plant again. You're wasting, you're wasting time. You're wasting a step. His first step was with his left. And he crossed over. Yes. So he got like four feet or whatever it was instead of four inches in his first step. And I feel like it could be as simple as that with Brett Gardner, where his first step is just a dog shit step. And he's not getting because it's it's always bang, bang, but he's always out. Ricky Henderson also started. I used to teach I used to teach kids when I was coaching Ponyball and, and, and uh, Little League. I would show them it wasn't the Amansky videos, but I would show them Ricky Henderson videos of just stealing base because there were a lot of different things. That man would start so low and stay low all the way through. I mean, he never really got into an upright position, whereas I think a lot of guys do that. But he was accelerating, it seemed like, for 50 to 60% of the time. He was such powerful, long, wide strides. Uh, he was almost climbing as he was running. It, he's impressive just to watch his form. Um, he's definitely uh, a guy that they should be. Yeah, but you're right. The first step was, was, was massive. So my point on Brett Gardner is that I'm afraid he's done. And at this point, the Yankees need to win a championship and they don't have any room for a done player just because he's been a Yankee for 12 years. Okay. I mean, yeah, that's fair. I don't, I don't think, I don't think, uh, it seems like they're not weighing that 
as heavily if they're waiting this long to sign a guy. Because if that was the if that was top of mind, oh his tenure, he's a Yankee, he's been a Yankee forever, he would have been he would have been signed already, right? Like he's obviously he, not and he would have been chosen over teams. Jay Bruce probably. So do you think he's getting interest from other teams? Because say he got another contract offer from a major league team, even if it was a million bucks just as a guaranteed roster spot, don't you think that he would go to Cashman, his agent would say, Hey, you know, the the whoever, the Seattle Mariners or the the uh, but, San Diego Padres are offering a $1 million guaranteed spot. Can you meet that? Because Gardner wants to stay. Cashman would give him a yes or a no. But that's the thing. They're not giving those contracts out. I mean, look look, look at what Jay Bruce just signed. A minor league deal for 1.3 right. with incentives. You have to make the team. They're not giving so those Gardner's deals out. He's, that's, that, you know, one of my big points was looking at those. Um, and he's younger too. Jay Bruce is younger. Looking at the Looking at those middle, mid-30 guys, outfielders, those veteran guys who are floating around, they're just not valued anymore at all. Every single team would prefer to go and and have a young guy that's controlled, cheap as all hell, and and younger with upside. Way more than than Jay Bruce or Brett Gardner. I don't, Brett Gardner to me doesn't bring a lot of value to any team unless you're a competitor. And even then... At this point, are you still are you still looking for a guy like Brett Gardner if you're a, if you're a team that's competing? I could see the Red Sox signing Brett Gardner because they just traded Benintendi, so they have I know they have Verdugo, they have a couple other people in their outfield, but I could see them doing that just as like an fu to the Yankees. Yeah, well, maybe we'll see. If, it depends how much Brett Gardner wants to keep playing baseball, and if uh, if it, what about the race? The, the other hold on. The other option for him is that he stays in shape. He he's he's the guy first one to well, come know, back. He's gonna on. be chopping wood. He's gonna be chopping wood. You, all, you're damn right. He's gonna be chopping wood. He's gonna be on the farm chopping wood. But if he doesn't get an opportunity that he's excited about, I would not be surprised if he was uh, you know on the roster at some point during the season. So I I said this like a month ago. I could see the I could see him fitting on the Rays roster. Maybe the I mean they they plug in everything. So who knows? They're adding veteran. It seems like they're adding more veteran players every day. Uh, to fill in gaps and, and to throw shit at the wall. So maybe. A um, couple guys that they signed also, Robinson Chirinos, uh, former Astros, former battery mate with Garrett Cole, not his personal catcher. When I first heard the news, I was like, wait, was that, was that his personal catcher? No, it was not. I was excited to watch that you was lose your Maldonado. shit. Yeah, I was very excited to watch you lose your shit. Uh, <laughs> but it was not not the same guy. This is Chirinos who had... Things things just don't affect me anymore, Scott. I got a, I got a kid See, now. I'm saying? I, I, got like bigger, a I got bigger fish to fry. That's right. It's a, it's a, it's a little click that just goes <laughs> off immediately. Um, uh, so Robinson Trinos really is a depth piece here. To me, not much to see. It's just a, a veteran guy that, that, you know, may or may not be there. He could be replaced by five other veteran guys that... I do have, I do have a thought on this though, yeah. because, because Chirinos was a starting quote unquote catcher on a world series caliber Astros team. Yeah. He was the, he was the main catcher on the Astros team. Yep. What is this move for? Is is this because they maybe don't believe in Higgy as much as we were led to believe? No. Is this because is this because they have an extra roster spot or two extra roster spots, right, for, for the new rules, and they they have the luxury of carrying a third catcher if they need it, and this gives extra insurance for maybe if Gary Sanchez just sucks again and they just they need more catching that they have this luxury now. I think it speaks way more to Gary Sanchez than it does Higgy. I don't think it says anything about Higgy. I think it says everything about Gary Sanchez and they need some kind of an insurance note to be ready if he does come out of the gate slow and it's not something they're willing to um, put up with or, or you know, deal with for an extended period of time. 
I think it's an insurance policy. I think it's it's definitely it's it's signing aircraft. It's a the Yankees are they they need depth on their catching uh you know in their catching position, especially a guy that now has you know, a relationship and has experience with Garrett Cole. That's not a bad thing. So I think that's, it was really just a depth move right here. Um, the other move is Justin Wilson is back in the Bronx after a couple. I of, love this move. This is a great move. After a couple of years with uh, the Mets, pitched well, 2.91 ERA, 26% uh, strikeout rate uh, with the Mets. Terms are, are undisclosed so far. I haven't seen the money, of the, but I imagine this is a, 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 guarantee, a, a guarantee very close to what Bruce, if he makes the squad, I definitely see Justin Wilson making the major league roster. Uh, and I'm sure there's some bonus incentives along with that as well, but you ready for move. some, some intriguing stats, stat cast data on him exit velocity, 96th percentile, hard hit percentage, 92nd percentile expected weighted on base average, 75th percentile expected ERA, 75th percentile expected batting average, 72nd percentile expected slugging 81st percentile. Those are all good numbers. It's all top of like top 25% or better of the league. And for a relief pitcher who's going to be relied on to pitch maybe the sixth or the seventh inning, come in to get a couple tough lefties out in the eighth inning. I love it. This is this is exactly the signing that they needed they needed to make to give more insurance to this pitching staff. So let's let's recap what's happened so far in the bullpen with uh with the 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 deal that Cashman gets a lot of flack for what he does with the pitching staff. I'm probably not as much in the rotation. Not the bullpen. Yeah, the, bullpen the bullpen has yeah. always been his strength. Sure. So looking at Justin Wilson, a guy that's been on the team before, you know, um, Luis Sessa was uh, was was part of the the deal, yeah, right? So Shane Shane Green yep. went to the Tigers, mm -hmm. and Justin Wilson, and yeah, I think it was I think it was Luis Sessa who came back. Yeah. The when you're looking at at Justin Wilson coming in, left-handed reliever, you look at uh, Darren O'Day. Right-handed side side swindler, the guy nobody wants to face. Doesn't matter what side of the uh, the the box you're in, side of the plate you're in. Trading Adovino and his entire contract to the Red Sox, and you're replacing him essentially with these two guys for a fraction of the price. Again, we don't know what the Justin Wilson deal is yet. I have not seen it, but I can't imagine it's it's anywhere over two million dollars. Probably under um, two million. That's that's. I mean, just just come just swap Justin Wilson for Adam Adovino. And to me, it's an upgrade. You're adding Darren O'Day now as another piece that that gives you just a different option, a different look out of the pen. I like what they've done. Plus, you're adding the young guys uh, with you know a good amount of upside. I like it. I mix, I mix these trades up. So the Yankees acquired Wilson, Wilson from the Pirates in 2014 for Francisco Cervelli. Yes. Then in 2000, after the 2015 season, they traded Wilson to the Tigers for Luis Sessa and Chad Green. Right. That's it. Yep. Shane Green was a different trade entirely with the Tigers. Was Shane Green potentially in that Curtis Granderson? I feel like he might have been in the Curtis Granderson trade. But anyway, you got Chad Green and Luis Sessa for Justin Wilson. Like, yeah. Tigers probably kicking themselves about that. So speaking of winning trades, that's a uh, that's that's Brian leading. Cashman will win you a bullpen trade all day, baby. Yep. But not so much in the rotation. That's where the that's where the criticism has always come in. Paxton now it's official. The the cycle has closed. Eight point five million dollar deal with the Mariners. He's back in Seattle. He's got uh, you know bonuses included in this deal that could make it worth over ten million bucks. So the Seattle Mariners are now walking into a season with both James Paxton and Justice Sheffield in their starting rotation, and the Yankees are are left holding a Sitting bat. there 
holding their <laughs> Schmengers in their hand. So can we just be done with dealing with the Mariners at this point? It doesn't point? seem like, like I don't want to trade for any more pitching from the Mariners. They tried it with Michael Pineda. That actually was the best one that worked out, but it didn't really work out. They tried to acquire Qu- Cliff Lee back in the day. It didn't work out with the Mariners. This this whole thing with Sheffield and Pax, like I'm done acquiring pitching from the Mariners. Go do something else. Just just go to a different well, please, because I'm sick of drinking this shitty water from Seattle. You know I don't like Seattle. Yeah, Seattle. I mean, Seattle people hate you too. So the the thing is, is yes, Ca- uh, Cashman's looking at this deal now. And it, it didn't work. Again, injuries on both of those trades completely crushed. Uh, I, I'd say the both both guys. I mean, you look at you look at what happened with um, with Pineda, and to me, it was just the the mind boggling upside that just never was never was 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 really like that never matured. It never came out. It's probably come out more in freaking Minnesota than you know, over the tenure of what we saw Pineda. We saw a couple of spurts. Well, didn't he get busted for PEDs in Minnesota? Who knows? Everybody's been busted for PEDs. But you see a guy that is has all the potential in the world, just couldn't put it together. The Yankees never, never really got what they needed to out of him. He was infuriating to watch because of the 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 spike in talent. James Paxton, completely, you know, marred by by injuries, had the um had the big start in the playoffs where, you know, three feet three feet and that ball is out of the stadium. We look at him very differently, um, but it just didn't work. We knew that he was coming over with, with injuries and the injury stayed and uh, completely affected what he was as a player. Yankee said, I'm not dealing with that anymore. And now he goes back to the Mariners. So both trades, no good potential there. So, I still hold on real quick before when I'm looking back at this, these cash from deals, I'm seeing that they didn't, they didn't work. But at the same time, I'm looking at them in the moment when he made the trades, and I'm like, yep, I would probably make that trade again. Like Jamison Tyon, like it's, we're saying, we, we loved it. At the, it's we an like easy, it. We it's like an it easy now. kill now. It's an easy kill because you look and you know what happened. But when we were back looking at it, looking at the upside for Paxton potential with what Justice Sheffield had been, hadn't really you know, been the guy that, that, you know, potentially thought well, we... You can't say that. He had no time in the major That's fine, but I still... I. I don't think he was identified as a guy that they 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 didn't see long term. So I was fine with it. He was the number one prospect, but that's kind of like a there's a little asterisk next to that because everybody else was trash. So <laughs> it's it's not that that big of a deal. So I'm still looking back at the time and being like, okay, I'd probably make that move. Pineda, I would have done that again in a heartbeat as well if I didn't know what but, happened. Well, well, Jesus Montero flopped, okay. But Justice Sheffield, he pitched a little bit for them in 2019, the Mariners, and, and struggled in the majors. But 2020 in 55 innings had a 3.58 ERA and a 3.17 FIP. Okay? That's clearly a step forward in major in the major leagues for Justice Sheffield. What if he comes out in 2021 and throws 175 innings to a mid-3 ERA and a mid-3 FIP? It's very possible. That is, yeah. that is a huge black mark on Cashman's resume because that is a clear misidentification of a young left-handed starting pitcher. Very true. There's no doubt. And I think what, what Justice Sheffield does for the rest of his career is going to really be a uh, a determining factor of how we look at Cashman because that is a top flight guy that was in there. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. 
Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. So the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. System that they traded for an injury-prone James Paxton. And what they were trying to do, in my opinion at that point, was capture lightning in a bottle for what they had on the roster. They were going for it. They knew that Sheffield wasn't the guy right then and uh, Paxton could be a different a difference maker and they rolled it they rolled the dice and it didn't work so when you acquire a guy with injury history and then he gets injured for you I I don't say that's bad luck I just say that's well you knew the risks and then you took them and they they didn't work out but guess what it's not it's not surprising I think we were trying to look at the at the injuries as well and you can look at those injuries in in Seattle and say some of them were you know, fluky. Some of them were were a bit fluky, but but there were also there was also writing on the wall for uh, the type of injuries. Even when he was rehabbing, he would get injured because his body couldn't handle the the mechanic mechanical changes, or there was more strain on another part of his body, and then that part of the body failed. So the writing was definitely on the wall with him. Um, so we'll see we'll see how it comes. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. Is there something interfering with your happiness or is preventing you from achieving your goals? We've all gone through a lot over the past year plus with COVID. Well, BetterHelp will assess your needs and match you with your own licensed professional therapist. You can start communicating in under 48 hours. It's not a crisis line. It's not self-help. It's professional counseling done securely online. There's a broad range of expertise available, which may not be locally available in your area. And it's available worldwide. You can log into your account anytime and send a message to your counselor. You'll get timely and thoughtful responses. Plus, you can schedule weekly video or phone sessions so you won't ever have to sit in an uncomfortable waiting room as with traditional therapy. BetterHelp is committed to facilitating great therapeutic matches so they make it easy and free to change counselors if needed. It's more affordable than traditional offline counseling and financial aid is available. BetterHelp wants you to start living happier today. You can visit their website and read their testimonials that are posted daily to see for yourself. Visit betterhelp.com slash Bronx21. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P, and join the over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health with the help of experienced professionals. We have a great special offer for our listeners. You can get 10% off your first month at betterhelp.com slash Bronx21. One more time, betterhelp.com slash Bronx21. All right, guys, we're going to get into a few mailbags before we get out of here. Obviously, spring training is uh, is is here. Pitchers and catchers are here. Uh, you guys are, are writing in. So if you have not um, sent in a mailbag in a while, let's get back in the game. Let's uh, let's let's all wake up. We got we got baseball starting. It's a new season. I think the uh, we're we're optimistic, right, with the way things are are going. It seems like uh, guys are reporting on time. Let's let's hope the the major league baseball has a uh, a good handle on all the COVID stuff, uh, and we're able to get through this. But Let's talk some A Rod. A Rod's always in the news. I couldn't believe it when the uh, when the seat when the the new year uh, was transitioning, and Alex Rodriguez and Jennifer Lopez were in front of my face, br- bringing me into the new year in front of an empty Times Square 
with Sinatra blasting in the background and A-Rod uh, being the guy that's that's getting me in here. But Sean Felder writes in talking about the Hall of Fame and A-Rod. Obviously, Jeter is, uh, they, they just made the announcement that Jeter's ceremony is going to be virtual. It's going to be something that we, people cannot go to. We're going to be able to watch it from TV. That's unfortunate. I was surprised by that. I was expecting, you know, there to be some kind of a, um, you know, I don't know, figure it out to, to get a, a certain amount of people in there. But that's not the case. So um, Jeter will have his ceremony. Thank thank goodness uh, no Kurt Schilling will be staining it. Uh, but speaking of stains, and everybody knows my opinions on A-Rod and, and what he's, uh, and what he's done. Speaking of stains. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to start using st- your stain. That's such, a, that's such an offensive. It's, it's, uh, it sounds terrible. <laughs> it's such an offensive thing to say to someone. Sean Felder asks, uh, what about A-Rod for the Hall of Fame? I think he should be inducted based on stats, 696 home runs. Over 2,000 RBIs for one of the top players in his time, and he helped the Yankees win their last championship in 2009. Look, you're not wrong with the stats. You look at the stats and you see what A-Rod has done as a baseball player, and you're like, of course, that's a Hall of Famer. You look at Barry Bonds, that's a Hall of Famer. You look at Roger Clemens, that's a Hall of Famer. But there is the massive stain of steroids, the backdrop of steroids that will not get these guys in. We're seeing, I think this this year, we talked about this last time, this, this voting was pretty telling on what's going to happen to me with other steroid guys, with uh, with them not, you know, really inching closer for Bonds or or Clemens. So much of the Hall of Fame is based on, are you a nice guy? Yeah. Whether that's right or wrong, it's also what you do in the five years after your career before your Hall of Fame ed- eligible, which A-Rod will be in 2026, to, to depends on if the writers like you and will vote for you. Guess what? The eroticence has been in full force since 2015. A-Rod is likable. Barry Bonds, not likable. Roger Clemens, not likable. Kurt Schilling, not likable. A-Rod, likable. Is he? So I, yes. To I think baseball he's, writers, he's likable? Because that's, that's who you're talking to. You're not talking about the general public. You're talking about baseball writers. I think he's much more likable to baseball writers than he is than Clemens. Doesn't or he have a new think, scandal? He does because my wife watches this this awful show, um, you know, one of these reality shows that's I think it's a, it's based out of Charleston, and there's just there's just a train wreck of drunk people. It's just like let's follow around a bunch of people who just get hammered all the time, and and you're watching how their their lives are getting you know destroyed because they're just a train wreck. Sometimes it's entertaining when you see train wrecks because you look at yourself, you're like, oh, okay, things aren't going so bad. My life's pretty decent when you look at <laughs> shit like that. But she watches it all the time. And I'm sitting there on my computer doing doing whatever while she's watching it on the TV. And they have, they re, the, she watches it on demand and there's like a commercials that the loop and loop and loop all the time. And one of them is a Shark Tank commercial. And every, it, it drives me nuts because it's, they show A-Rod and he says, he says something about you. Uh, what does it feel like to identify that this is to to ruin one of the best opportunities of your life? And I'm sitting there like, how are you possibly <laughs> saying this? To how other are you people? the one to be able to say how that? How can you possibly say this to other? <laughs> Look people? in the mirror, bro, but don't kiss yourself in the mirror, which you have done. Not only that, but the there's a girl on the show who has a rumor tied to a Rod that they've that that's Wait, her, what there's a, a scandal looming. I don't know all the details here, but there is a a. a there's a rumor out there that this girl and A-Rod have been texting and possibly hooked up in Miami and, and J-Lo. There's a whole, there's a whole thing happening there too. So you'd have to, do you be not expect A-Rod the to the biggest moron on planet earth 
You'd have to be the biggest moron on planet Earth to cheat on J-Lo. I mean, yeah. <laughs> no, but but my point is that I think A-Rod is much more likable at this stage uh, than Bonds and Clemens. And obviously his stats are there. And I think that might be enough. By 2026, when 2026 rolls around, that's still a long time away. Andrew, he still has when, the steroid. I mean, I don't give a I don't give a shit how likable you are. He still has the backdrop of steroids and was popped multiple times and then lied to But everybody. there's going to be more it, writers in 2026 that care less about the steroids than they than currently. But if these other guys are not getting in, how can you possibly justify Arod? If Barry Bonds is, does not get in, how can you possibly justify Arod? You can't. I, I see your point, but I think because there will be enough writers by 2026 voting who don't care about steroids, they're not even going to say, well, they're going to look at Bonds and Clemens and say, that's a mistake. They should be in. I'm not going to make the same mistake with, with Alex Rodriguez. I don't see it. I don't know. I think this. Past, I think if, if we're not looking at, at Clemens and Bonds, and I, I, I find it very difficult for anybody to even justify the fact that these guys can, can get in um, and it would have to get to you know, the, the committee at some point down the road and, and letting them in, but who knows? Uh, so Sean's, Sean's point about a ride, like, yes, justified because of the stats, but then you have steroids and all the other nonsense. Uh, I was looking up some stats on, for a rod. And one thing that I noticed is that he played 92% of his team's games from 1996 to 2010. And he played 162 games, which is a full season, three separate times. Oh, one, Oh two and Oh five. He obviously won the MVP for the Yankees in, in that Oh five season. A rod, like many players of that era and unlike many players of this era, they went out and they just played. And that's so important. Yeah. I don't know. All right. Next one is from uh, Eric Scheinkoff. Eric's a longtime listener. I've uh, been to a bunch of events as well. What's up, Eric? I am disappointed that in terms of spending, the Yanks are not acting like the Dodgers, but a mid-market team concerned about the luxury tax, the cost uh, that cost them a 2017 world series. No Verlander. And in 2019 and 2020, they didn't do anything. <laughs> also, they should have tried for Lindor to get a super infielder, uh, super infield. George wanted to win first, make money second. How is the reverse? Okay. <laughs> Guys, there's one thing, one thing that's, that's uh, the Yankees are not a mid-market team and they're not spending like a mid-market team. They're, they're right up against this luxury tax, which is a, a large sum of money to have on the roster in the first place. Didn't do anything in 2019, 2020. Well, that's not true. Garrett Cole was signed for a long-term deal, was paid an exorbitant amount of money uh, to, to come in and be the ace of the staff for a very long time. They got their guy just because this year they didn't go out and sign what really the only opportunity for me to, to improve it on the free agent market and the pitching staff side was uh, Trevor Bauer. Trevor Bauer got a, a stupid amount of money Yes, it put them over. It's short term. So there's an argument to be made there. But there weren't a ton of opportunities for them that were definite. And maybe they don't even think that Trevor Bauer is a definite because one wild card off the field, he's you look at his career stats, he's not career-wise, not the guy that he was last year in his Cy Young, uh, in his Cy Young campaign. But they they could have valued him differently and they see the uh the other opportunities and and played more of the volume game and and depth game than going out and getting one guy while staying under. So you can argue both ways, but I definitely don't see them as not a uh, a team that's spending money because they are spending money and they have spent money. Well, but I mean what I think Eric's point is that 
the lux there they Yankees Hal Steinbrenner and the Yankees now are treating the luxury tax cap as a hard cap and not a soft cap. They're not will they they believe you can build a consistent championship caliber roster by staying under the luxury tax. And they might be right, but the counter argument to that is when you're the Yankees, you shouldn't have to confine yourself. Why are you why are you playing by the same rules when you don't have to play by the same rules as all the other mid and small market teams that their owners just refuse to spend the money because they can't spend the money. They don't make the same revenues as the Yankees make. The Yankees print money. It's not that big of a penalty when you just look at the the balance sheet. It's not that big of a penalty if they go over the luxury tax. But Hal refuses to because he believes in the business model that you don't need to do it. That, that's been a business model that they've talked about, and they, they've been very public about saying that as well. But how does the fact that last year, no fans in the stands, this year, you know, the Yankees, we haven't even really touched on this because, I mean, yeah, it's te- the Yankees are, are, are allowing Cuomo opened up to, to big. What was it 10,000? 10%. So 10%, 10% of capacity are allowed oh, that's, in. So that's, that's, fi- that's fi- 5,000 fans ish. Five, five, 5,100 fans. Yeah. I think the, the technical um, capacity is 46 and change, but yeah. So that's it, it? it's, it's, Oh, did they, did they cut out? They cut out seats. Yeah. Um, well, but here's the, but the thing is that's 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 a small amount of fans. My question is, how much does that play into the fact that this year and the uncertainty with the collective bargaining agreement, all these things, uncertainty play into not going after a guy like Trevor Bauer this year and going over it for for this one year? Maybe when there's I think maybe using when the as COVID, an when the COVID haze is uh, lifted to to a a more clear long term future, and we're able to see a little bit further, you know, down the road. Maybe that maybe that shifts a, a, a bit when you look at the current roster. I think they're using it as a convenient excuse. They can say we can lean into COVID and we can lean on the no fan stuff as a reason why we're staying under the luxury tax. But but when you when you to be literally clear, they're not do really doing the they're not really using that as the excuse either. Well, Hal Steinbrenner said on he the said it's a consideration, that, but they've also talked before COVID that this was uh, a game plan that they're they want to stay under the luxury tax even pre COVID, but. Since then, since COVID, they have said we've we got hit harder than any any other team in major. Uh, that's fine, but it, it's it's just all it does really is support what they've already said they're trying to do. So I I don't I don't know I think that um, I think when you when you literally do the math and you realize it's only like an extra 10, 10 to fifteen million bucks of of real dollars that you're you're spending if you go if if you make one signing that goes over the luxury tax. I, I can't imagine that affects the negatively affects the balance sheet for the Yankees that much. It can't. You can't run at that thin of margins. It's not like they're running at a two percent margin. It depends on what you're doing at that at that point. If you're making a big splash with a player that's a longer term deal, it might make sense, right? It might make some sense. You have you have a a guy locked up. Trevor Bauer would have put them over. So you you look at the AAV there, and what was he uh, what was he at? 40, 40 for this year, 45 for next year. So add the luxury tax penalty to that because that's what's putting you over. Essentially, that's what your cost is. I'm not even arguing for Bauer. I'm just saying even Even that, looking at a position player that could have been needed. So let's take another example. Look at like a Michael Brantley. Uh, yeah. Michael Brantley, what? That That's a... 15, or, uh, was it 16 million bucks? So, so even 10 to $15 million, just put somewhere in there. It's still going to knock you over. But then you have yeah, to by, f- by four million bucks. But then you're adding the the now the difference of 
the luxury tax and you're adding essentially that to the deal because that's what put you over, right? I mean, if you're looking at it in that way, depending on how long the deal is, understanding what that uh, what that is adding to the player, it, it may just knock the value completely out of the zone. And that's why they're trying to look at other ways. It, it's it's damned if you do, damned if you don't. Because if you're looking at a guy like Trevor Bauer, to me, like that, that's making it extremely expensive for a, for a, a wild card. He's a joker. I mean, that is what he is. He's a joker. He could be great. He could be middle of the road. We you don't know. Uh, and then a guy like uh, Brantley just going to make a, a player that's a nice player helps the team just very expensive. Yeah, yeah. I just think, I mean, to Eric's point, and it's not like Eric is the, making the original point on this, George would not have cared, and Hal cares. That's the, There's a difference between the two. There's a different mentality between there's the There's a different mentality between the two. There's no doubt. All right, man, that's it for uh, for mailbags. We're, uh, we're going to cut it. Uh, Andrew's got to go change a diaper. And, uh, and, you know, I got like seven sure notifications. His wife is doing well, and you have to go get her for breakfast and whatever, you, the, whatever uh, she wants for a very long time. Do you use Kubo? Kubo, I don't know what that like, is. It, it's like a baby monitor, and and they they can it's looking over the crib, and they send push notifications. I got like seven seven push notifications. Baby detected. Baby not detected. Baby crying. Baby, like, okay. So one thing I will tell you that we happened. did we did we have one of those monitors, and we were like, okay, we need to like understand everything. Is he still breathing? Is still still happening? Granted, our situation was a little bit different, but even in yes. that, even in those situations, we're like, uh. Uh-uh. uh we're going to go insane. I can't, I can't, I can't have like 24 seven monitoring and like, I know. and like be, be so, uh, you know, guided by these notifications or the, or the buzzers and beeps and like, no, I, you He's can't, six at days some old, point you can't so go through life I'm still like in that phase. Yeah. I'm still in the phase yeah, yeah. of like, every time he makes a noise, I'm like, oh my God, is he dead? Right, right. I know. Cause it's new and you're responsible for a life. It's freaking scary. Um, but yeah, those notifications and you will turn those off soon. I, guarantee it <laughs> um cool man well congratulations i know you, you've uh, you've Thank kind you. of been through uh the ringer the past week but uh, i know everybody i speak for everybody's listening to the show uh we we send our congratulations and uh, excited for harrison man i'm ready for the harrison and kemp show it's soon it's coming up soon 20 maybe 2026 when a rod when a rod <laughs> is inducted into all into the hall of fame we're gonna have like a a nine what it, how old would kemp be at that point nine uh, when is that? Twenty twenty six. That's five years. Yeah, eight or nine. Eight, eight, and, yeah. eight and change. A nine and a five year old hosting a podcast. Why not? I love it. There'll probably be a uh, a YouTube channel for that. I think that that's nice. that plays now on YouTube. We could do that really well. All right, guys. Have a good uh, have a good day. We'll talk to you next week. Happy pitchers and catchers. Let's go. Hey guys, thanks for listening to the Bronx Pinstripe Show. Make sure you find us on iTunes and subscribe so you can get all new episodes directly onto your phone. If you do like the show, we'd love for you to take a minute and give us a five-star rating and review in iTunes. It really helps us out and allows us to create more shows. We're on Twitter at Bronx Pinstripes and the same on Facebook. You can always find us there talking Yankee baseball. Thanks again, guys, for your support. Really appreciate it. And go Yankees.